Okay, hey, this is Brent Leary, and with me this afternoon, Joe Galvin. Joe is actually second time he's been on this series, and we're really glad to have him. But Joe is the Chief Research Officer for Vistage. So, Joe, thank you for joining me, man. Brent, thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure to work with you and speak with you. For folks who may not remember what Vistage is, why don't you tell them what, the, what you guys do? Yeah, Vistage, we provide uh, executive coaching anchored by peer advisory boards. So we've got 23,000 members worldwide here in North America, 1,600, about 11,000 of which are CEOs who work directly with their Vistage chairman, chairman of the board, and interact with peers, people who have similar issues, similar challenges in dissimilar industries. Uh, and they work together. Uh, you know, our purpose is to help, is to help high integrity leaders make great decisions that benefit their company, their community, and their families. I've been around for 61 years. It's a great model and just an amazing collection of humans who are all lifelong learners and people that are committed to getting better every day. And that community of folks is kind of ripe for you to, to find out what they're thinking and what they're doing. And you guys put out a ton of research reports and studies and indexes. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that, too. Yeah, we, we survey our community of, of all CEOs four times a year. And we produce our quarterly confidence index. It's a, a gauge. We've been doing it since 2003 that tracks uh, our members' confidence in the economy. And it tracks, you know, six to nine months with GDP. A little bit of anomaly here because of the tax cuts. And then on a monthly basis, we survey just our small business leaders, those with self-reported of 20 million or less. And, you know, Brett, as a researcher, you know how important it is to get data. And I'm blessed because I've got this, this amazing community of peer CEOs who are more than happy to share their opinions. So we get... We get over seven, eight hundred in our small business, and we had 1,700, 1,700 CEOs in our March Confidence Index survey. And that's the foundation. You know, we think at Vistage Research, we think that research without data is just another opinion. And you and I both know there's a lot of opinions out there. Uh, but we like to anchor everything. We like to anchor everything with data, uh, bring in the experts that we have that present and work with our groups, and then try We're trying to create a layer of research that fits somewhere between the noise of the Internet and the deep expertise that you see in, in those consultants and speakers and, and our vendors who are who work specifically in a narrow niche. And we were all set to talk about some of the results of some of these reports that you put out, some of the confidence index stuff. But then I start talking to you, and I'm like, no, nah, we're not going to talk about that right now. What we're going to talk about is something that you call digital transition versus what everybody is talking about, which is digital transformation. And I think... And I, I think you agree. There's a lot more digital transition going on than there is digital transformation. But first of all, tell me what your definition of digital transition is and your definition of what digital transformation is. Yeah, you know, I think that and this goes back to my time when I was at, at Gartner as I was running worldwide sales operations as we transitioned from a paper based system into spreadsheets and to Word documents and basic contact managers. And then we, we launched a website, and then we deployed one of those first-generation client-server-based Salesforce automation applications. And we beat our brains out trying to adapt this technology to how we worked in paper. And the concept is that what we have experienced as a community is a digital transition. I mean, we've transitioned the paper, 1980s, paper-based human analog processes and workflows, and we force-fit those into technologies like Excel, like databases, like CRM, like ERP, and tried to bend those technologies to how we work as humans. Digital transformation is to change how you work, to let the technology dictate to you what are the best practices, what are the optimal workflows 
based on what technology can do. So especially as a small business, to, to go through the trial and error of figuring out what works best is a long and painful process versus embracing the technologies which are built around workflows that have been designed based upon our vendors working with hundreds and thousands of customers to optimize what's the best workflow for for a marketing automation, for CRM, for ERP, for you know human capital management, and adapting our workflows and our processes to, to let the technology drive what we do versus trying to bend and adapt and customize and, and waste money, time, and effort to get the technology to work the way we worked in 1980. So I'm going to just say what I what I see out there, and I'm going to kind of focus it on the SMB level. When it comes to all this talk about digital transformation, uh, it, it's really about 90% of it is more digital transition like you're talking about. Uh, folks who are looking to technology to help them be more efficient with the things that they already know that they have to do versus this new technology and allowing the new technology to do what it does, which is go beyond just transitioning to actually transforming and creating business models and more innovative thought and design opportunities. Exactly. It's, it's so hard to develop best practices, and especially in small businesses, your workflows are dominantly built around the people that work for you. So if you've got 20 employees and you lose employee number five, your workflow breaks down because it was based upon what Steve or, or Becky could do, right? Then you hire someone new and, you know, eventually you refarkle it versus we've got a workflow that's been pioneered, it's been stress tested and been proven to work based on this technology that we bought. Why don't we take what these people have done, leverage their best practice, and let's focus on our customers, let's focus on our operations, let's focus on growing our business, not trying to be process experts. And it seems like these newer companies, these maybe tech, digital, native kind of companies, they already have that transformational thought process in mind. How difficult do you think it is for more meat and potatoes, Main Street small businesses that have been around for a while to actually think in transformation versus transition terms? You know, Brett, it's really hard for somebody who's been, you know, running a business for 25 years and this is how they've done it and this is how their father did it to completely reinvent themselves. Often what we see is a generational change. Mm -hmm. So the, the grandson steps up or, or a, you know, an outside leader comes in and forces that change because we work the way we work and the business is good and the business is fine. But you and I both know the rate of change is only accelerating the capabilities of what AI and machine learning are going to bring let alone how 5G is going to transform everything. It's only going to happen quicker, faster. And if you're not, if you're not on the edge, you're just taking up space. And you'll, it's the fast path to obsolescence. It's also a way to gain a competitive advantage. <coughs> Excuse me. If you can process and execute more efficiently, more accurately, more productively, and leverage what their data can tell you, now you can focus on your customers. Now you can focus on your products. You can focus on your markets. And most importantly, you can focus on your people. Because the talent crunch is so extreme in small and mid-sized business today that uh, you just can't spend the time, I don't believe, trying to do things the way you have done them when the world is just it's accelerating so so quickly. So is it basically the impetus for these more mature business folks that have been around for a while? What's going to make them make that move, that move to transformation versus transition? Is it losing customers or is it not being able to bring in the kind of talent they need to, to help drive the business forward? 
I think they're going to feel two things. The slow deceleration of their growth <clears throat> and the disintermediation of a competitor. So, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, so what we see is, you know, it's hard to make the decision to go in and choose a new technology, right? It's harder still to go through the integration uh, of that application into your infrastructure and the other systems you may or may not have. But the real challenge these leaders face is the behavioral change management that's required to get people to change how they work. Uh, I was talking with one of our members a couple weeks ago, and they'd gone through this transformation and brought in a variety of new technologies trying to revamp how they engage and connect with customers, how they manage workflow. And this guy had to fire two 20-year employees because they just couldn't change. Couldn't or wouldn't. I don't know what the right answer is there. But we're in, we're in this world of change. And... Um, Ignoring technology and failing to leverage it is a fast-track to obsolescence. So, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, kind of have that circle of decay and slowly try to hold the spiral, or you can step up and make the change. <clears throat> but it's truly a leadership challenge. We know the technologies work because we see too many people taking advantage of some of the great stuff done by the vendors that you and I both know. It's the leaders who can step up and embrace that change and drive that behavioral change that allow their companies to step forward. That's where transformation happens. Transition, that's the shortcut, easy way out. Say, well, yes, we bought new systems. Yes, we invest in technology. But all you're doing is just, you know, you're, you're, um, you know, you're asking a horse to go faster as opposed to, you know, investing in a car, right? There's a great, there's a great photo. It was in, it was in some report where they showed uh, New York City street in 1901 and there was one car. And then they showed it in 1918 and there was one horse. That's how quick. <laughs> That's how quick that transformation happened, right? It's the old Henry Ford. You know, if he asked his customer what they wanted, it would have been a, a faster horse. No, it's not a faster horse. You need a new means of transportation driven by this thing called internal combustion engine. As long as it comes in black. I think that's the way it's put. <laughs> all right, so this is all great. And one of those areas, uh, and I think your, your research kind of proves it out, CRM is one of those uh, areas that companies seem to be investing in. Uh, they They seem to know that, uh, everybody else seems to be getting it, so they feel like maybe they need to get it. But there's still a lot of folks who do buy the software and still don't necessarily get the most out of the software because I don't know if it's a lack of understanding what the software can do or a lack of really defining their pro problem. But how, when you look at stuff like CRM, are companies looking at that just as another tool of transition and they don't understand how a package like CRM could help transform the way that they engage customers and keep customers around longer? Well, I think and this is a point you and I made before, or that you made before, is that they look at it as a way that we can do what we do a little faster, a little bit easier, a little bit quicker. Realize, okay, so this can make us go from one mile an hour to five miles an hour. Not recognizing that they fully embraced what this technology has built into it and how it revolutionizes how you how you connect with customers, how you share data, how you collaborate, how you leverage data, engage with customers to engage with prospects. You know, it's, it's, it's like our cell phones, right? We use about 5% of what our cell phones can do as opposed to exploring all the apps and all the capabilities. I think it's, I think it's the easy way out. It also gives leaders the excuse to say, well, yeah, we invested in CRM as opposed to recognizing the power of what technology can do. Uh, you know, we ask again, we ask our community, this was in December. Which business applications are you be investing in? Not hardware, not people, not infrastructure, but what biz apps are you going to invest in? And 45%, the leading choice, was CRM, 
followed by accounting, followed by collaboration, HCM, ERP kind of stuff. You know, and depending upon the vertical, it's different. But overall, 78% of our members were planning to invest in business applications in 2019. So people are spending money. They're reaching for the wallet. And as hard as that is to sign that big check, the work's just started. Right. Works just started because it is a people challenge. It's getting those people that have maybe worked and are happy in spreadsheets or happy using a basic contact manager to now embrace the full power that's built into the best practices that our vendors create for our, for our, our users. So, are these uh, folks who look uh, are going through transitions instead of transformations? Are they happy uh, about what they're getting? from the trans the, the lens of transition or are they thinking they're going to get transformation and they're only focused on transition and they become this uh, maybe frustrated well I, I think that uh, they are happy because they are seeing that productivity uplift remember when you went from writing letters to email right. when you went from having manual ledgers to spreadsheets it's like you know once you kind of got the hang of it you know once you learn the first 20 percent it's like wow this is great and then somebody showed you a pivot table, and you're like, oh, my goodness, you just broke my brain, right? So they see that uplift, and they feel good about it. But because they don't intellectualize and internalize the full potential, nor do they necessarily have the courage to reach for that, uh, I think they're missing out on it. And, again, the comparison is those that do really see an advantage. So uh, a story, um, an innovation story, of one of our members was in the countertop business. Right? Custom countertops, right? You redid the kitchen in the last, what, five, six years? Right? You want those new countertops and you want the new... Well, there was not an online app for this because nobody thought you could buy custom countertops online. So this guy went out and he created an online app where you can design and develop your own countertops. His business exploded. Mm. Now everybody's copying him, of course. But he had that first-to-market mover advantage. And you would think that, you know, again, because you and I are in technology a fair amount, well, why didn't that happen before? But that's an example of true transformation. How can I innovate to create a new capability to access new markets? So now I'm not just selling to people within 50 miles of my showroom. I'm selling to people across the country around the world. Because I can take in their orders. We can bend and shape, configure and ship. It, it totally broke the, it blew this guy's business up. That's an example of someone who saw an opportunity and skipped transition and went straight to transformation. Because you could have taken that application and talked to someone on the phone and do it yourself. Versus put it out there in an e-commerce play and let people go to it. We feature that story in our upcoming innovation report. I'll, I'll send that to you when we're done here. Absolutely. Cool. So folks who are focused on transition, maybe they're happy with transition. Is that a, a short-term happiness? Or is this something that gets them on the path to thinking about transformation once that initial transition takes place? You know, Brett, I'd like to say that, that they think that this is step one of two, but we both know that phase two rarely happens in a project. It's so hard to get phase one up and running. It's, it always costs more. It always takes longer, requires more pain. You use more human political capital to get it done. And then you get it up and, and you're kind of running again and you're feeling better about it. You just don't have the courage to go forward as opposed to taking that leapfrog and saying, you know, we're going to go all in. You know, if you're not going to, if you're going to spend the money, then, then spend the money, then go for it. Um, and again, I believe, you know, with some of the emerging technologies coming, you know, we're starting to see it's just a fragment right now, but, you know, AI is starting to raise its head in a lot of places in small and mid-sized businesses. 
you know, I mentioned earlier, 5G is going to change everything, right? It's going to turn, you have zero latency. We're already seeing some of the manufacturing people think about how that's going to impact their ability to manage the throughput in their, in their machines. Um, and again, things are only going to accelerate. So the degree to which you struggle to keep up, uh, you're just not, you'll never, you'll never catch up. And, and then you're just in that death spiral. So is that the sales pitch, the upsell to folks who are saying, yeah, we, we need trans, we need transition. We need a transition. How do you, do you upsell those folks to transformation by the scare tactics of if you don't do it now, you're going to miss out? Or do you present a picture of opportunity? Which one do you think works best? Well, you know, it, it depends on who you're talking to because for some, some people, they want to see the opportunity. You talk about this is how you achieve your goals. You get a market advantage. You'll be perceived as a leader versus if you don't do it, you're going to lose customers. You're going to lose market share. You're going to lose, lose value. You know, only you can decide, Brent. Only you can decide what's right for your business. You're a big boy. You're running a business. You know, you make that decision. But let me show you examples of, of people who have embraced this and what it's led to them. It takes courage. It takes real courage. Again, choosing a vendor, that's hard. Writing the check, that's a little bit harder, right? You want to make it work? That's hard. <laughs> put on your big boy pants and big girl pants because it's, it's, that's the challenge. And if you can break through, the opportunities for growth, uh, and more importantly, I think the ability to set your business up for the future is critical. I was just in uh, at one of our events in Houston, and I said in our manufacturing breakout, and they were talking about, in, in this session, talking about, you know, what are you doing to prepare your business for the changes you see coming? And universally, the answer was technology, whether it was a manufacturing ERP kind of thing, a CRM customer kind of thing, even the human resources thing. This is all stuff that, that people have to get focused on. Um, and, and they recognize it's just a question, when are you going to step up to the plate and are you going to bunt or are you going to swing for the fence? <laughs> All right, Joe, this has been awesome, man. Tell us where we can learn more about what you guys are doing at Vistage. Yeah, easy. Just go to Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. Uh, there's a panel on the side that's got our recent research, or you can click and go to the research center. We post content four or five times a week. Uh, we pull it from the stuff that we do. Uh, at Vistage Research, but also we've got this amazing community of over 700 expert speakers and a large community of sponsors who contribute thought leadership content all the time. And again, our mission is to help high-integrity, small and mid-sized business leaders make great decisions that benefit their businesses, their families, and their communities. That's our sole purpose. And for some people, that means going all in and being a Vistage member. For other folks, that just means tapping into the research that we do, and we're happy with that because we want to help everyone make those great decisions and take advantage of, of what a great world we live in. Because uh, it's nothing but full of opportunity if that's what you choose to see.